0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to Lens Fuzz, a podcast that involves dissecting and commenting on news stories where at one point the fuzz either should have been involved, should not have been involved, or it's just a little fuzzy. Today, I have Rebecca Davis here in the studio, and even though I'm having her join Lens Fuzz today, look out for this episode and others to be on a podcast that we do together, possibly called Two White Teachers.
1: Because we are, yep. we're, we're testing that. We're testing all t- that. Testing that title. It'll be great. <laughs> Seeing how controversial it might be.
0: Uh, so, Rebecca, so lovely to have you here. How are things going?
1: They are great. I'm really enjoying my summer vacation. Thank you for asking. I know it's a
0: little hot in this room, so sorry. It's kind <laughs> That's of okay. Okay. For it. uh, So, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background
1: of who you are? Oh, sure, sure. Um, well. I am a cisgendered white woman. Um, I might be heterosexual. I'm not sure about it. It doesn't matter. Um, I have been a teacher now for eight years. I'm going into my eighth year. Um, I teach English and uh, theater arts and advisory. Um, I am also a mother of a wonderful 15-year-old boy. Um, He is for sure the apple of my eye. (laughs) Cheers to all the 15-year-olds out there. Um, I don't know. I uh, love to dance. I love to read. Um, I'm an activist, and I am interested in exploring, um, especially the ways that education particularly helps um, reinforce systems of oppression, and I'm uh, interested in examining them and figuring out alternative ways Um, for us to educate the children of our future.
0: Awesome. (laughs) That sounds so good. I'm not doing
1: any of that. Well, I'm not either because of summer. (laughs) I know. I I have the privilege to take a break, so I'm doing that. (laughs) It's right around the corner, though. I know. know.
0: Um, But also, I think that this topic that we're going to do today, Student Resource Officers, it connects to what we want to do on our podcast, Mm -hmm. which is talk about important things in education, and then... Um, like from an activist lens. And then also mm-hmm. this podcast that I already have going since it's connected to police. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so the, like, the question we're going to kind of ask ourselves is like, do we need police in schools? Um, do we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any experience with having SROs
1: in your schools um, or in a school that you worked in or or growing up? So here's just my few anecdotes. Okay. Um, I grew up in a place called Santa Clarita in Los Angeles. Um, it's like just above the San Fernando Valley, and it's where Magic Mountain is, if anyone knows what that is. Anyways. What? Um, What's very, Magic Mountain? What is Magic Mountain? <laughs> um, I work there. Uh, and <laughs> um, I lived in like a very, like all of, a lot of Santa Clarita is affluent, And I went to a high school, um, Hart High, uh, and I didn't realize like how racist everything was until I left um, because I was awash in privilege and had not like learned enough to recognize my privilege at that time. Um, But here's what happened is I we had like kind of an open campus. If you were a junior or senior, you could leave campus for lunch, blah, blah, blah. Everyone would hang out in the parking lot. Um, And I honestly never really saw any sort of student resource officer until there was fights started happening between the um, skaters and the football jock dudes. Of course. Yes. (laughs) And then the Latino students, right? Um, I would say about... a. Quarter to a third of the students that attended my high school were Latino um, or Latinae, yeah. uh, but they did not really matter at my school. So it was pretty segregated. Right? Yeah, it was super segregated. So segregated that um, when this all went down, that was the first time I ever saw police officers on my campus with guns. And it was really startling it really made the campus feel completely different and I mean this was back in 1997 right so Columbine hadn't even happened yet and so it was just like a totally different feeling um and then sort of conversely um I know that there is a SRO I think that he's like at Sammamish or at Interlake anyways I saw him at the um, Black Lives Matter sort of protest. Protest. Yeah. It was more like a cheer along, you know, yeah, that, yeah. like people standing In on both, the side yeah. of the road. Yeah, like wait, honk, trying to get cars to honk, you yeah. know. Um, and when he appeared, students went up and started talking to him and stuff, and it seemed like he had like kind of a decent rapport. And then when there was an actual march, when we marched to um city hall and did our little die in moment um and we went back to the district he was there and again lots of students were talking to him and stuff and so i think that like everything it is a bit more complicated than like yes or no however i think that the net negatives definitely outweigh any sort of like positive for because i'm absolutely sure that for every one of like those police officers, that works hard to build rapport and relationships with students. There's 99 others who, you know, wield the long arm of the law and are biased, um, if not racist, and really have a hardcore effect um, on not only students of color, but also students with disabilities as well.
0: And we're going to – we'll get into that. Uh, Rebecca, if – Rebecca, this might be like a two-hour episode because Rebecca Davis is here. But I appreciate all the anecdotes and stories because I actually don't have that much experience with
1: SROs. Yeah.
0: Um, but for listeners, I'll kind of define what that is. So SROs are also known as, like, campus resource officers. So it's kind of like a euphemism for yeah. like, a police officer. It's a
1: – it's, it's such a, a, it's a euphemism. Police, Why don't we call them police officers? Like – High school police police officers assigned to a school. Like, well, why like, aren't they police officers? It's
0: true because, like, even at universities, they have, like, security. But Yeah, I don't they think have they campus carry, security. But they don't know if they, they don't carry guns or anything. Uh, yeah, I don't think um, so. But anyways, they're commissioned law enforcement officers with sworn authority to make arrests. Mm-hmm. Deployed under the auspices, did I say that right? Aus- auspices. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad I'm not a language arts teacher anymore because when you're a language arts teacher, uh, people out there, I teach coding now and history, they'll be like, are you supposed to be a language arts teacher? I'm like... Whatever, I can't spell. Yeah, it's fine. exactly. <laughs> um, of a need for community-orientated policing in K-12 through school districts. While SROs first began appearing in schools near, nearly 40 years ago... They proliferated during the 1990s after the shooting at Columbine and continued to increase after more recent tragic events such as Sandy Hook and Parkland. So I thought that was kind of interesting because a lot of, even in our own district that we work at, a lot of people um, who've experienced shootings or, you know, have read about them, and in the 90s we had a series of shootings for sure, have this feeling that like SROs are there to protect but like do they actually yeah are yeah. they actually able to protect in these kind of you know
1: situations well and you sort of reminded me of the other thing I was going to say the only other time that I ever saw a police officer on campus was two distinct times and I'm wondering if maybe you have any connection to this so the first one is dare Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, we all know how successful that program was. Here, kids, let's tell you about all the drugs, what they look like, (laughs) what their street name is, where to find them in town, and don't do them whatever you do. Just say no, right? Or there was MAD, right? The Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And, like, I don't know about you, but at, like, my school one day a wrecked car appeared and blah, blah, blah. And like, don't get me wrong. I think that like that is a valid, excellent, like (laughs) anything that we can do to keep kids from, well, anyone from driving drunk, um, I think is a good idea. But again, like they only would come onto campus. It seemed like for those short periods of time, then they would go and it was not like a thing.
0: Exactly. And it was scare tactics. Yeah. So it was this way of saying... And so the funny thing about it is, uh, I remember I was I was easily like scared. I yeah, mean, I grew up in a fundamental, <laughs> or I grew up with a <laughs> fundamentalist grandmother. I was always kind of like scared of you know yeah, like, things that I yep. didn't know about. But uh, and Dare had that red you know red like big acronym with the black in the background. But the funny thing about Dare is they use the scare tactics, but then like once a kid they would put like alcohol and almost at the same level everything was a gateway drug yeah to something yeah, yeah. Bigger. Yeah, yeah yeah so like yeah. if you did weed you're gonna suddenly yeah. be a cocaine ass, <laughs> and that's awful right well the the problem was that like then kids would finally you know hear from other people oh wait no i did weed and i'm i'm yeah. fine yeah. i survived <laughs> i survived smoking weed and i'm no. here to tell about it and then yep. everyone's like wait a minute yeah this whole program was yep. most likely bs right But yeah, because that definitely happened in the 1980s, so we're, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely grew up with uh, D.A.R.E. and um, The Mad, which also, I mean, definitely struck home, but again, kind of uh, a scare tactic.
1: Yeah, 100%. So,
0: but this... The information I'm getting right now is from ACLU, Washington Mm. State. So, focusing on Washington State, so... um. In Washington, 84 of the state's 100 largest school districts have police officers assigned to schools. Hmm. So this expansion of on-campus police homes comes with a hefty price tag. So it's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. So schools pay on average 62000 and as much as 125000 per full-time officer annually.
1: And and the schools are paying that. That means that the taxpayer is paying for yeah, yeah. this. Yes, yes. Yes.
0: And uh, in Spokane, public records indicate that Spokane School District paid over $1 million in salary and benefits for its school police officers. Meanwhile, Kent School District mm-hmm. uh, paid nearly $500,000 in salary to its officers. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. And I... <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Like, I don't know... So, we're going to try to get into, like, what do they actually do Do? (laughs) because there's there's an argument for why we should keep cops uh and i read this like really ridiculous oh i shouldn't say ridiculous i think that this argument comes up for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. even in our community um in our school district Mm -hmm. a lot of people still um will have this kind of counterclaim to the fact that like Students are, when you have a police officer, it can be a threat to some students um, or it can cause fear. Um, and we already have bad police uh, relationships. Where on the other hand, this argument is for having an SRO is that when children have pers- like positive interactions, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. with an SRO throughout their education, it can change their perception of the officer's. So there is that idea that, like, an SRO, a caring SRO can have your back. That they're going to, like, show up for your science fair. That they're going to be at your basketball games. But don't we have counselors and other people? Or, like don't, I, Well, I, that I, sounds yeah.
1: like what a mentor does, not yeah. what a police officer does. And, again, like, I am not willing to sacrifice the future's especially of black, brown, and um, disabled students on the chance that maybe the SRO goes to the freaking science fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the fact is, is that students are going to have interaction with the police, and again, it takes one bad police officer to just, like, trash your you know, idea of police officers, just like, unfortunately, it takes one bad teacher, okay. right?
0: I'm going to dig into it. You said exactly what this, this uh, person for police officers. This is from Newsweek, and the article is called Biggest Reason uh, to Keep Cops in School, which I don't think the reason... I, I mean, the whole point of having cops in school was to keep students safe, right? But yeah, it was supposed
1: to be for protection. Here's, yeah,
0: here's an... Um, uh, pretty funny quote or it's not that funny but <laughs> uh it says these school officers that i'm lucky enough to have my, my school build relationships with kids by no means are all sros perfect as in all professions there are bad apples and they're incompetent underperformers Vance County Middle School in Henderson, North Carolina, SROs fired after slamming an 11-year-old boy into the ground. And the cowardice of Marjorie Stoneman, Douglas's high school Scott Peterson, is believed to have contributed to the deaths of too many students in Parkland. Ineffective or dangerous SROs can do irre- irreparable harm to student trust and law enforcement. But it makes little sense to judge SROs by the bad apples among them. We don't After all, judge all teachers by the few who abuse
1: their power over children. Bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, so first of all, yes, we do. We fire them. We fire fire teachers that can't do their job well, right? Like, I got the question recently, like, so what about tenure? And I'm like, "Uh, tenure doesn't exist for K through 12. Like, I do have a wonderful, wonderful union and a contract that would make it a bit more challenging to fire me. But if I like put a student's life in danger, I'm getting fired. Like there's no like yeah. two bones about it, right? Like if I were to slam a student up against a wall and like cause them bodily harm. Yeah, I'm getting fired. And it doesn't matter like how long I've been with the district and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So um there aren't bad apples in policing. There's bad soil. The core, the trunk yeah. is rotten and that's why the whole thing needs to be, you know, ripped out and we, just I mean, made we a thought huge of. But yeah, controversial oh, statement. Yes, I did.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> but like my my thing is cuz I know some people um Like, I bike with a police officer, and he's posted things about, you know, the relationships that an SRO had in his community. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, we don't know the experiences or the backgrounds that the students have. And when you have a gun, Mm -hmm. you are signaling a kind of power that teachers could never
1: have. Yeah, and aggression. Like, I'm sorry, but a gun is in its nature, aggressive. Like, there's no two ways about it, right? Yeah, it is supreme, like, power. I have power over your life. I'm wearing it on my hip. And I often, like, just rest my arm on that gun because it's on my, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, I'm a sheriff or whatever.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know. This person said, like, they could, the whole point of their kind of argument is that by having SROs, we can build relationships in the community, starting with the schools, with relationships with the students, and the and I think that like you're saying, nothing is black and white. Of course, that's a possibility, mm-hmm. but we need to be listening to the facts of like are SROs actually making what their whole point is the community that school safer? Mm-hmm. They've never. No, um, well, I'll kind of like get into some
1: articles and stuff, but yeah. Because I think the fact of the matter is, is that I think the question is like, feel safer for whom? Which students actually feel safer when they see a police officer on their campus? Because chances are those people are not black and brown because chances are in especially um, communities of poverty, communities of color, um, we see police officers that are not SROs behaving very badly, racially, it acting with deadly violence. I mean, like, so seeing police officers in, on campus can bring up it's trauma. It's, like, symbolic. It's yeah, symbolic exactly. It's symbolic maybe exactly. these other,
0: yeah, exactly. And and so, we can't
1: erase So that. are we, I mean, like, are we saying that only white students deserve to feel, like, safe at school because they're the ones who, like, can still have the privilege of viewing police officers as, like, helpful. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: And from our own experience, we have community groups or activist groups, black and brown groups, who are asking in yeah. our district to get rid of yeah. SROs. Yeah,
1: we have students saying we don't want them, and I need to listen to the students. Yeah.
0: And then, and the, the of course, the backfire from what I've heard is that Parents, um, many of them in our district, uh, still feel that the SROs will make their campuses safer. And there's still that huge fear of school shootings. But from all the evidence that we've seen, there's not necessarily like any connection between having an SRO campus who, who can actually prevent school shootings. Mm-hmm. But we will get to
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I'm that looking up. at the statistics right now, wanting okay. to see them Perfect. so badly. <laughs>
0: Well, then let's go ahead and start with what you found, Rebecca.
1: Okay, well, um, I am looking at a website called AmericanProgress.org, and they published an article that sort of dug into um, SROs on campus. And, of course, one of the big reasons that people claim that SROs need to be on campuses is to keep our students safe in case of an active shooter. Now, as teachers we are all very well aware of active shooters and active shooter drills and all of that Um, and I would be very much interested in hearing about like your experiences with them because my experiences are kind of like horrible but here's what um, the FBI reviewed 250, 250 250 active shooting incidents in the United States from 2000 to 2017, and in only seven of those cases, did a civilian with a valid firearms permit stop the shooter? And I think it's interesting that they say civilian with valid firearms permit, because we can't even verify at this moment if they that those were that. like SROs, right? No, they're
0: probably not. Well, I feel... I haven't researched that much. I mean, I remember Columbine so clearly, and yeah. they didn't have an SRO there, but... From what I remember from other um, incidences a lot of times it's you know it's just normal civilians like a janitor mm-hmm. or a principal or someone who's risking their lives or helping out right yeah tech students yeah, 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 uh, yeah not necessarily a, an officer you know being able to stop the individuals mm-hmm. so but the idea that you could stop someone like you know Eric Harris and Dylan Labeled or something, whatever his name was, who had been planning that shooting for a year, mm-hmm. uh, seems unlikely, unless you're able to kind of... And this would be an entire ep- other episode, which I would love to dig deep into, but, like, what is making them want to shoot up a school and yeah. ultimately kill themselves? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's something... There's something obviously boiling underneath and luckily schools are trying their best now to combat that with social emotional mm-hmm. learning instead of just putting a band-aid on. Like they're you know, yeah. we're trying yeah. to attempt to like solve these problems of um why these shootings take place in the first place when these kids are feeling isolated, they may have untreated uh, mental health issues, yep. that kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so that's going to be the real thing. Because, it, it, like, in the 90s, when we had these series of um, school shootings, uh, both those individuals from Columbine were never... Um, they were never treated for a mental illness. There was mm-hmm. not really yep. a whole lot of awareness. Yep. Um, I did read, though, yeah, that... I watched this documentary about, the from the mom's perspective of Columbine. um, I think she was Dylan Harris's, or Eric Harris's, sorry, mom. And she said, you know, I, I like, I loved him, but, like, for some reason he must have, he lacked that empathy, that thing, but we never knew that he was planning this attack, that it went that far. And so now I think with this, you know, the new, for SEL, like, that's going to be a better way of preventing and creating safe communities Mm -hmm. is making sure that we have the mental like you know health of our
1: students 100 percent we're we're taking care of that part well and i think like before we even so thinking about like the problem with sros being on campus and also thinking about like the problem of school shootings right like they, they while they fit together, right, because the school shootings are used as a justification for the SROs being on campus, um, I think we can talk about both of those things. We have statistics. We now have had SROs on campuses for like it, two decades at least, right? So all of the 2000s and all of the 2010s, Um, there have been SROs on campuses. And so we now have data to look at, right? Um, And then we can also talk about like school shootings um, and because we now have unfortunately way too much data about those as well. And we can also talk about, well, what are things that schools can do? Like you just mentioned, right? Like focusing on social and emotional learning, focusing on our students' mental health is As a part of school curriculum not like as just sort of a thing that maybe some students get Um, I think that those are important Um, and some of the things that we can do to help prevent school shootings could also lessen the need to have SROs on campuses because just like you said like or just like this person who's arguing for SROs being on campus there are a lot of things that um, that there are other people that could serve the different purposes, much like, you know, social workers, counselors, um, we've had like behavioral, um, not therapists, but like behavior, like paraprofessionals whose job it is to be like behavior interventionists, right? Yeah. That can help students regulate, help regulate their own emotions, give them tactics to help when they're feeling an overwhelming emotion, things of that nature. And so, because again, the fact is, is that SROs are traumatizing to a portion of our student body.
0: Which I will, I'll give you a quote, but I want to go back to something you kind of mentioned, which is what happens a lot of the time, which uh, which I totally, I, I completely understand is that these shootings happen, and then the our, we have initial like gut reaction we need to protect our kids, mm-hmm. and so after Columbine happened, Bill Clinton, uh, who was president at the time, so I'm you know I'm getting this from just so everyone knows uh, AmericanProgress.org. He pledged an additional sixty million to enable U.S. public schools to hire four hundred fifty-two officers. Uh, under the U.S. Department's DOJ mm-hmm. um, that he implemented in 1999. And then in 2003, mm-hmm. um, more than $350 million in funding was made available for public K-12 through schools to purchase security technology uh, through the DHS. So uh, much money. And in hire high school police officers and purchase security equipment, Right. So yeah. all this money is being put in, but then they're still having school shootings. So, you know, a, another tragedy happens in 2012 when a gunman enters Sandy Hook Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about it, it, killed 26 children and educators. Yeah. And maybe you know, at the beginning, so you can see kind of the data. It looks more like focused even on K through 12, but like high school, right? Mm -hmm. Where if someone walks into an elementary school, of course you're not thinking I'm going to have an SRO officer or anyone at elementary school, but like no one's thinking that that's going to be a target necessarily for even a kid. Um, So these are, and then in 2018, a former student killed 17 classmates um, in Parkland, Florida. So, we have all this million millions of dollars going into SROs mm-hmm. and now we're finally at a point where we're like putting money into social emotional
1: mm-hmm. but we
0: still have SROs in some of our
1: schools yep so well and it's even it's Not only do they not stop school shootings, right, not only does that does it not help them, but it also doesn't necessarily lead to less like, quote unquote, crime in high schools anyways. I mean, in a 2018 study that compared Kentucky high schools that hosted an SRO to Kentucky high schools that did not, there was no statistically significant relationship between reported criminal violation rates and the presence of an SRO. So SROs don't decrease crime, they don't decrease school shootings, what do they do? Well, they increase the number of students that are arrested.
0: Yes, Ah! but then of course we always have to bring up that other argument because the one thing I want to say, because I I know a couple of listeners out there uh, who are probably disagreeing with us in some way, um, saying that. And even in my own community, even in the Central District. So, Chief Carmen Best, who is a black woman, Mm -hmm. was, prior to the Black Lives Matters protest, she was a huge community member, you know, at Garfield High School. Mm -hmm. Um, She wanted to do her best to improve relations. And a lot of people were for that. They were really hoping that by having a relationship with police, that you can counter this, you know... Uh, you can counter some of the criminal activity, but you can also th- that citizens aren't feeling fearful; they're not feeling also under attack, you mm-hmm. know, um, and defensive. Uh, and in some point that does work, right? Like, I mean, I feel like it doesn't work on yeah, a, yeah, on a yeah. big it spectrum, yes. but on a personal level, it can, it can help that you know. And I've I've, I've read and listened to stories where. People felt comfortable because they knew this one police officer. He was a good police officer, right? Yeah. Like, he was that person that they could talk to. Like, I've, I've definitely heard many of those stories. But unfortunately, like, it's just like you're saying, it's a system that we're talking about. It's not, we're not talking about individual police officers. We're talking yeah, no, about, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm sure that there are,
1: just, yeah, I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there trying to do their best job that they can yeah. and really are honestly trying to do the best for the community, right? Yeah. I just think that the risk that the police officer that is placed in the high school is not going to be that is too great, right? Like, I mean, again, the proof is in the statistics, right? Black students represent a total student enrollment in the United States, K through 12, of 16%. And yet 27% of students are referred to law enforcement And then 31% of students are involved in school-related arrests. And um, in a future episode, when we talk about discipline in schools, we know that like once you get put on that track, once you are arrested, your chances of graduating high school decrease significantly, right? And the arrest doesn't even have to amount to anything. It doesn't even have to equal a conviction. It's just having those interactions, having that moment, can be so traumatizing and damaging that it really decreases students' chances of succeeding. And if that is the chance, if there's even a chance that that could happen, and we've already kind of proven that SROs aren't going to keep students safer, then what is their purpose other than to maybe make some students and parents feel more comfortable or maybe they get to develop a good relationship with one police officer. Yeah. But again, is that police officer going to be there when they get pulled over late at night and they by get another, the yeah, by another police officer that like does something horrible?
0: Uh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> this could definitely, we could dive into a lot of that. I'm going to bring up this recent article and this takes place in Washington
1: and uh-huh.
0: uh, a teacher I've had a big, an activist Teacher Jesse Hagapian who's um, amazing, 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 amazing community work.
1: Woo! If you
0: ever listen to this, Jesse,
1: number one fan. Number, yep, I'm definitely a number one fan. Uh, and <laughs>
0: and
1: teaching, number one point five. <laughs> and
0: also, teaching for Black Lives is yeah. an amazing book. If that, you don't have it, you yeah. should get this
1: book. It has like ready to go, like yeah. resources, ideas, information. You could do your entire school year and, just and from this book. And historical
0: context, which is so one hundred percent,
1: learning so much. I, yeah,
0: but anyway, buy it,
1: <laughs> learn it, love it.
0: He <laughs> should like. Do we get like a one percent commission for that?
1: <laughs> I, just I'm, f- point I'm two. free. I'm point I will two. give my recommendation for free. Point two, point
0: two. <laughs> uh, at least, so this is from an article in NPR in June 30th, 2020. Yeah, and it's why there's a push to get police out of schools. So mm-hmm. After the BLM, but a lot of people, you know, forget that the Black Lives Matter movement uh, did not just show up with um, George Floyd. It's oh, been yeah. happening since Trayvon Martin. So people this has been have like been trying
1: new... to get SROs off of campus for yeah. a very, very, very new long new time. No, it's not.
0: So this writes that at least two-thirds of American high school students attend a school with a police officer, according to the Urban Institute. And that proportion is higher for students of color. Mm -hmm. Now the national uprising for racial justice has led to a a push to remove school officers from security positions inside schools. School systems in Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Denver, yeah, Denver uh, got rid of theirs, at least um, in Denver proper, Portland, Oregon, and two districts in the Bay Area have all moved um, in recent weeks to suspend or phase out ties with police. Jesse Hagopian, a teacher and activist in Seattle, and I'm sorry if I pronounced his last name wrong because I feel like I'm always doing that, (laughs) says removing police from schools has been a key demand of the Black Lives Matter movement for years. There's just so much research that shows they aren't making our kids safe. Mm -hmm. Data shows that schools with cops are more likely to refer children to law enforcement, including for non-serious violent behaviors. Yeah. In 43 states and District of Columbia, black students are more likely to be arrested than other students while at school, according to an analysis at the Education Week Research Center. Uh, I'm going to get to like a little case they bring up, but that's what scares me most is that Officers, because mm-hmm. they're not required to, as we know, yeah. a police officer has like 5,000 jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't know necessarily or have the capability or the skills or tools to deal with non-serious offenses at yeah. time. The, we're, And the we,
1: teenage brain, The teenage, which is yeah. an odd, right. frightening place.
0: It's a frightening <laughs> place. And if you can learn how to brush off certain things, if you learn... The ways to communicate with teenagers, yeah. the ways to um, de-escalate, yeah. that is our job as yeah. teachers. Yeah, We've yeah, been yeah. doing it day to day. Mm-hmm. So one little aggression from a, a student is not going to set me off, and I'm yeah. not going to feel defensive, and that student feels defensive, where my biggest fear is this isn't is really for the police officers, and most importantly, for the student's safety, because they're not necessarily trained in how to deal with teenagers, yeah, which is yeah. a whole different thing. I would be like, very
1: thing. interested to know, and maybe we should have researched this before this, but, that's like, okay. what, what does it take to be an SRO? I mean, because I know oh that, God, like, what it takes to be, like, a police officer in general, like, is very different from well, we place to
0: place. pause the podcast <laughs> first. Like, <it laughs> no. up.
1: But you know what? I think, because what you're bringing up is totally right, right? Like, um, I had to take specific classes about um, how children develop. That was like a part of not only my major um, as I was getting my bachelor's, but definitely when I was getting my credential, like my learning how to be a teacher learning, yeah. Um, it was very much a part of that, right? And so even though I'm not like a behavioral therapist, right? I'm not like that, like I don't know that much. I still can recognize certain things and like you said I can de-escalate situations and all of that stuff and what frightens me is that like again when we're talking about the students that are the most affected by interactions with SROs right we have students of color but another big proportion of that are students with disabilities they represent 12% of students in the K through 12 school system in the United States but account for 25% of those arrested and referred to law enforcement, 75% of those physically restrained at yeah. school, 58% of those placed in seclusion or involuntary confinement. And in 2014, an SRO in Kentucky handcuffed 2 children with disabilities by the biceps because their wrists were too small and then we've all seen I, and i'm not and so like i just think and that's like a whole other thing right yeah yeah.
0: That's a whole teachers
1: other and resource um resource officers um or like resource people managers um my words have left me but like social workers counselors teachers you have to get like special training Right. To work with students with disabilities, students with um, uh, learning challenges, communication challenges, all of these things. And to think that like an S like I think it's actually cruel to think that an SRO is going to go through that additional training in order to be able to properly interact and not traumatize students that could have a wide range of issues yeah and so to hear that like again that this this population which should be like protected right this we should be like wrapping our arms around them um and protecting them are being 70 what was it 70 something percent 75 percent physically restrained
0: but as a person who worked uh for volunteers america and with mentally disabled people a lot of that doesn't surprise me because a lot of even caretakers and definitely like your the point mm-hmm. of sros you need your own besides training and skills and um you need like your own support system because yeah. you are in our society we were we're taught certain social norms we want to control situations mm-hmm. And sometimes, if something, if someone is, you know, not acting the way they're supposed to be, um, we tr- we try our best to control that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just thinking about my own experience. I worked with a man um, at Volunteers America, and when he would act out, he would pull out. He had a stomach tube, where he mm-hmm. that's where he was fed, mm-hmm. um, and he had cerebral palsy, and. That was his way of acting out as he would pull out the stomach tube because he wanted to go to the ER. Yeah. He would go to the ER and then he would strip naked in the emergency room. Now imagine if I had not been taught how to deal with the situation and I didn't have a sense of humor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there were times where I felt that even in my own, like we have as teachers where you're like, just be normal just do this <laughs> yeah, right yeah. like you you feel helpless and then you feel like it's this mix of yeah feeling helpless out of control because this person's out of control and you don't know what to do but mm-hmm. also wanting them to be in control so they can be better yeah right so it's this it's this so complex like yeah. what you're saying that you can't just put a band-aid on it and luckily schools most school districts are getting better at mm-hmm. recognizing that we need to address this, and now we learn more about the teenage brain, yeah. and that that kind of learning helps you take a step back and be like, "This isn't just me out of control. It's not this student out of control. This is how. This is what an expectation, and these are the skills and tools I can use to yeah. like, deal with it."
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So I'm gonna um,
1: just. Well, and I'm not saying that like there aren't any sort of instances that could happen on a, especially a high school campus that don't warrant. A police officer yeah. being there. I just don't think that the police officer needs to be there all the time. Yeah. Every day. You know what I mean? Like we still have nine one one. We still can yeah. get a police officer on campus as quickly as possible. And again you And know, steps
0: that escalate like, Exactly. 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 Campuses, yeah steps that would escalate to that point. Yes. So yes. um Jesse Hagupian, who is a teacher at Garfield High School, and activist, so I'm going to go back to this yeah. article. He says, and there's, so here's his example of why, obviously, this is, um, we need to get SROs out of school. Yeah. And there's been horrific acts of police violence in schools, he says. Mm-hmm. He points to two separate incidences captured on body cameras in the fall September, oh, sorry, fall semester of 2019. One officer in Florida put a six-year-old girl in handcuffs as she sobbed. Yeah. Another in New Mexico was shown shoving an 11-year-old girl against a wall. Both students were black. Mm-hmm. And what is happening in schools, and what is happening in schools around the country, says Hagopian, is instead of figuring out how to help that student who's having a difficult time by having counselors, mm-hmm. we meet these kids with force. Mm-hmm. This all adds up what to Monique Morris calls the criminalization of black students. The presence of police in schools, I believe, is fueled by dehumanization of children of color, Mm -hmm. which suggests that there needs to be a constant surveillance of these children in schools. Um, And then, just so you know, Morris, if you want to find out more, so Morris is the author of two books, um, Push Out and Sing a Rhythm, Dance, and Blues, about black girls' educational experience. And she says, new research shows that police in majority white and affluent schools are more likely to think their job as protecting the school from outside threats, such as shooting. Mm-hmm. But in schools that were lower income, yep. right? And this is the a, a same thing we problem problem with the Bellevue School District. Their claim is that we have SROs for shootings and outside forces. Yeah, yeah. Right? But in schools that are lower income and majority students of color, they are instead looking at the students themselves yep. as threats. For children of color, we see that this leads to a hyper-criminalization in a way that people perceive them to be criminal, even if they are just being children. Yeah,
1: right? I mean, a six-year-old. A six-year-old. She's six. How could anyone look at her and be like, you are such a threat that I need to put you in handcuffs? Like, again, like hello white supremacy how are you doing that's it right there like the adultification of black and brown students or children right especially black students right um to say that a six year old needs to be taught that kind of lesson instead of just like oh you you you're not really good at like regulating your emotions cause you're freaking six yeah right um Same with, what, the 11-year-old girl? And that's what happens. And again, like, we have resources, we have studies, we have the statistics to back it up that, like, black children are considered older than they actually are routinely by white culture, including cops, Yeah. right? And that's just the sad fact. So... And and those were just two that were caught on camera, well, right? Yeah. Who and knows no, the kind I, of like it,
0: it does actually talk about many other there are dozens of other documented incidences in the yep. past decade where resource officers in these low income schools, which I I uh, there's just so many I mean so many different things that yeah. we could talk about with yep. this, but um, so those are just two incidences, um, but. Uh, just so you know like and then one person brings up that when properly trained by his organization um, this is uh, Mo Kennedy of NASRO um, argues that it's a training prop- like a uh, problem of training um, and that SROs can prevent violence and juvenile arrests while building positive relationships so but like the, the problem is that we don't have the statistics there so for example you brought up um, some statistics about how many, uh, how resource officers have successfully intervened in a shooting? And seven. This, yeah, well, this uh, 2018 Washington Post analysis <laughs> of 200 incidents of gun violence, so not like school shootings, yeah. found that only two times there was a school resource officer that could do something about it. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, I think we need to think about the climate that having SROs um, creates on mm-hmm. campuses for our students mm-hmm. and who it benefits and who it doesn't yeah. benefit. And at least from statistics-wise, we can see that it's, it's not helpful in keeping our schools safe from yeah. what um, some would argue like school shootings and stuff like that. And no matter what, it's still... It's a more opportunity to make criminal like criminalize students for even little things. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, they have you know at some schools they have gun wait gun detectors or whatever right metal metal detectors
1: (laughs) but they're really looking for guns right or knives yeah Yeah. (laughs) weapons yeah but you know it's interesting that you bring up like the who benefits because it's not just like. Whenever you think about what is something happening in schools and why is it happening, the first question that you should always ask is, who stands to profit from this? Yeah. Because the fact is, is that there is an industry, a security industry, that it feeds off of the fear of school shootings, school safety, they right? The money off that. Yep, yeah. in fact, it's not just little, it's not just chump change. In 2017, sales of security equipment and services to public schools reached 2.7 billion freaking dollars. Right? I mean, using video surveillance systems increased 20% from 19, uh, 1999 to present. Um, Research companies, uh, or the research company IHS Technology estimates that schools and universities spent $768 million on security measures in 2014. And then from February 2018 to August of 2018, um, school districts invested $900 million into school safety over those months alone. And the fact is, is that there are people getting hella rich. Yeah. Excuse my French. Hella rich yeah. off of selling oh. these like quote unquote security systems and different things like hardening the schools, right? Yeah. Um and and I think it's always important to remember that like and then I I can't remember where I was looking, but like I was seeing something about how um s o oh, okay, here we go. SROs, like in two thousand, where was it? Um, oh yeah, the in the late nineties, um, the Department of Justice created a seven hundred and fifty million dollar grant program called Cops and Schools to hire over six hundred and fifty thousand SROs. Right, so like we have. Lots and lots of money going around, um, all feeding off of this idea that we need to, like, keep our students safe, right? And it's kind of like testing, right? Yeah. Um, well,
0: yeah. And I think that, honestly, for me, their biggest argument, which doesn't have any standing, mm-hmm. is that when you look up any reasons why SROs, this would, to me, would be the one that's like, yes, is to keep help keep students out of the criminal justice system. Yeah. And I mean, they do. like If you look at the SRO websites of why it's important and um, the school resource programs for uh, Kirkland School District, Bellevue School District, it's all that it helps also, uh, besides a positive interaction between SROs and the community and the police department, it helps them keep out of the criminal justice system, which we just haven't seen. But I, I'll let you make a last comment. But before we go, I want to let our listeners, because I know this is a controversial topic, and uh, I'm always like just worried about what my mom is. My mom's a yeah. listener. She listens to Lens Fuzz. Thanks, Mom. And she always has some sort of comment uh, or critis- critis- criticizing of our, yeah. our show. But uh, some good articles that you could – look up our Mm -hmm. um, ACLU of Washington. So Mm -hmm. focus on Washington state. So that's uh, the article is school resource officers when the cure is worse than the disease. But if you're looking, trying to look for more of the positive, one of the people that was quoted in the last article about why they're important is it's called NASRO. And it's an organization that promotes safer schools and partnerships between students, school faculty, and law enforcement and by providing training and resources for school-based law enforcement, so SROs and stuff like that. And so if you go to, I believe it's Supporting Safe Schools, you should be able to find more information for them and you know, you'll know, you see, of course, the, the pictures you see when you go there is like Black Lives Matter protests with the yeah. police officers there. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's good to be, you know, informed about from different perspectives and then come up with your own kind of idea. But um, if you are a voter, we have primaries coming up in mm-hmm. every district for school board. And so it's really important to stay informed and really look at data. Think about your own, you know, morals, moral compass, and just be informed to make your own Boy, or your own vote uh, because that really does matter. If
1: there was anything that I learned from the last year first of all, wash your hands <laughs> yeah. wear a mask, get va- vaccinated please. And but hope. also like the school board yeah. <laughs> makes a difference and when you have a horrible school board, you need to like vote them out.
0: I'm gonna edit get this. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Because Remember. <laughs>
1: But I do have a special message to Brooke's mom, which is, I hate the game, not the player, right? Again, (laughs) this is not me, like, individually saying, like, each SRO officer is horrible and they're bad and blah, blah, blah. It's just the fact is, is that statistically, I cannot justify the the negatives that can happen um, on a campus I can't justify the trauma that can happen to our most vulnerable students just yeah. you know because on the on the off chance that maybe that one SRO is a good is a good officer yeah. and really wants to make a difference. My hope is that that good officer will still be on the police force Actively making a good difference in their community, and they don't need to be on a high school campus every day to do that. They can go to football games, they can go to like different community events, they can be out there in the community making a difference. And you know, they can even, yeah, they they can even be like in places where like teenagers gather and try to like introduce themselves, make themselves known, let them know like, I can be someone that you can trust, right? It just does not need to be a hireable position on our school campuses. So don't hate me, Brooks' mom.
0: Okay, and my my number like bottom line is we need to listen to the students. Yep. And from Eastside for Black Lives, at least mm-hmm. in our own district, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones right now. Of course, I'm forgetting. And our SOAR, students organized against racism. Yep. They are all asking for SROs to be removed. And I think that if anything, even if it's just a symbolic reason, that's reason enough because yeah. we don't know their past experiences, um, family mm-hmm. experiences or anything. Yep. And that symbolism of a person walking around, um, representing with a gun, law yep. enforcement, is enough for me to say it's not okay. If, uh, I if, if students don't feel comfortable, yeah. then I don't feel comfortable. 100%. Awesome. Well, Woo-hoo! thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on. My pleasure. I'm very excited to record more episodes <laughs> with you. That was a very yeah. fast uh, 55 minutes that we're at right now.
1: Oh, wait, it wasn't two hours. See? It wasn't two hours.
0: <laughs> Whew. It probably would have been if we had more time to research. Eh, definitely. We never, we,
1: there were, like, some <laughs> other
0: things that, that we uh, didn't get to. Yeah, we'll just have to
1: continue talking. Yeah.
0: No. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and... I will hopefully have another episode up next week with either uh, another special guest, Sabrina Gilman. Um, otherwise, I'll check you soon. <laughs> I'll probably edit
1: that out.
0: <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries.